my background and how I got to Africa besides an airplane. I could have taken a boat, but it would have taken a whole lot longer. So I decided to go with the plane. Um, man, you guys are a hot crowd today. Does anybody laugh in here? No? Is it? It's just morning. Is that? Okay. Oh, no laughing. They must have outlawed that in the last 10 years. Yikes. I'm sorry. Well, feel free to laugh. I mean, unless my jokes are just totally horrible, then don't laugh. And that's okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, I had a heart for missions um, since about the time I was 14. Um, came from the Lord, and I decided, all right, this is what I'm going to do with my life. So you guys probably have things that you want to do later in life, and that was the path that I felt like God had laid out for me. So I went on as many mission trips as I possibly could. And at the time, I don't know if NC still does, but at the time they were offering missions trips once a year or so. And so I made it a point to be on each and every one of those. Um, But what I found was that every time I went on a missions trip, I was totally not satisfied with being um, wherever I was. I was just, I was, I was looking for this experience and I was looking for this great, you know, like when you go to camp and you're just like, on the mountaintop with God, and you're like, this is awesome. That's what I was looking for in missions trips, and I wasn't finding it. And so I decided Africa. Africa or bust. I must get to Africa, and that will be where all of my hopes and dreams come true. And so after I, well, before I graduated high school, I called missions organizations, and I said, hey, I'm graduating. Send me somewhere. And they all said the same thing. They said, what are you going to go to college for? I said, well, I'm not going to go to college. Um, I'm going to go to the mission field because I'm supposed to be a missionary. They were like, yeah, well, what would you study in college if you went? So I was like, well, how about nursing? It's a good thing, you know, help people, help me get into a country that maybe I couldn't normally get into. And they were like, great, call us back in four years. (sighs) That is a long time, four years. I mean, it's not so long anymore, but back then it was a long time. And so um, in my rebelliousness, I applied to one college, um, thanks to Mr. Schreiber. I applied to College of the Ozarks in Branson, Missouri. And by God's grace, I got in. I have no idea how. Well, I do know how God got me in. But um, I'm a C student, if that, so not, not a good student whatsoever. But I got into the college, and I decided, okay, nursing is a means to an end. I'm going to do this nursing thing because eventually it's going to lead to the place where I want to be, and that's Africa. So I was not really enjoying nursing school and kept telling people I was going to be a missionary. And uh, the Lord gave me the opportunity to go to Africa between my junior and senior year of college. And I went to Senegal, West Africa, and I hated it. Oh, my goodness, it was the worst experience ever. Africa is dirty. It smells like diesel, and it just... Ah, it's just a horrible, horrible place, is what I thought. It's what I felt. And like this vision and this beautiful picture that I had painted of missionary work just shattered. And I was devastated. I went and spent three weeks out in the bush with a missionary family. And I was like, are we going to like build a well or have a vacation Bible school or something? And I'll never forget Mrs. McKee looked at me and she said, Becca, this is missionary work. You see, we sit on the porch every afternoon for hours, and people come and they sit with us, and we develop relationships with them, and we we invest in their lives, and we hope to share Christ with them. And I was like, yeah, that takes a long time. Could we just build a well? Because that would take less time. And and so I, I really had this 
man, it was, it was like a, the death of a vision. Because since the time I was 14 till the time I was 21, this is what I was aiming for in my life. And I realized, like, oh, I got a few things wrong. And so I left Africa thinking, mm, we're not going to do that again. I'm never going back there. And um, what needed to happen was that the Lord needed to, to reshape my vision. And I realized um, as I went through this process of, of healing with the Lord that um, it wasn't that I had it wrong. Um, missions was something that he had laid on my heart, but I needed to learn to be content with where he had planted me. And so as I was in my senior year of nursing, I thought, okay, this is where I am. If I'm supposed to be a nurse in America, be a soccer mom, whatever, I'm okay with that. And so I went through this process of learning to live for God's glory alone and not mine. And I came across this quote by John Piper back then. And he said, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And I took that quote and I I held on to that. And I thought, you know what? Africa is never going to satisfy me. No person is ever going to satisfy me. Nothing in this world is ever going to satisfy me except for Christ. And if I'm not living for his glory, what's the point of living, really? I mean, man, that's, that's the point of life, guys, is, is living for the Lord and doing what you can for him. And so I just spent this last year of nursing school falling in love with nursing and falling in love with the Lord and his plan for my life. And so I surrendered. And I said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want for me. <laughs> So then um, he brought another opportunity for me to go to Africa. So now I had a new problem. I was afraid. And I knew that this is what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to be a nurse in Africa. And I was afraid. <clears throat> I, knew, I knew what I had to do. But I said, Lord, I'm going to do this because this is what you called me to do. And, and I love you and I want to serve you. And I know that you have much better plans for me than I do. And I said, but you've got to turn my fear into joy. I have to want to do this. I have to want to go to Africa or, or I'm just not going to survive. And so over the course of a year before I left for Africa, I graduated from college. I went to work in the emergency department for about a year and a half. And then um, just after that, I, I went and, and moved to Africa. And during that time in the ER, the Lord really, he moved my heart from a heart of fear to a heart of joy. And it was so good, so good, so that when I got off that plane... Again, in Africa, um, I moved to a little island nation out in the Indian Ocean. Um, and, uh, man, I got off the plane, and it was okay, you know? I was at perfect peace. There was no fear, complete and utter joy. I was so excited to be there. I had signed on for a two-year commitment. It was, a, it was kind of a training thing for two years where um, you learn to live simply with the people. I lived in a mud hut. I learned to eat fish, which is not something we do in Nebraska, apparently. So that was new for me. Um, I, I learned to, you know, to grate a coconut and, and do all these crazy, interesting African things. And, um, and I loved it, except for I was teaching English. Because um, the group I signed on with, I thought that we were going to be a medical team, which is why I signed up with them. But God, in his humor and wisdom, um, allowed us to teach English for two years. And so I had two years just to learn the language and the culture without jumping into the hospital and making a whole bunch of cultural mistakes. So it was good. And then um, now uh, I'm back. I just came back from my second term. So I went back for another two years. And this time the government okayed us to work in a little bush clinic out in the middle. It's not really a bush. It's more like the jungle. 
There's not a lot of, there's a lot of trees. Anyways, it's right on the beach. I live on a tropical island. Don't judge me. There's people there that need Jesus, and the beach is covered with trash, so it's okay. Um, anyways, so, uh, but I live, I live in a Muslim country, and so, um, completely Muslim, so I'm actually not allowed to be there as a missionary. I hate to burst the bubble. I'm not a missionary, really. Actually, we all are. Anybody that is a believer in Christ, you are called to be a missionary wherever you are. And it doesn't matter if you're here at NC or if you're where I went to college, you know, in Branson, or or if you're in Africa. Wherever you are, if you are a believer in Christ, it is your responsibility to share the hope that you have in Christ. And so we are all missionaries. Me, I'm more of a tent maker. I'm I'm a nurse working in a little clinic in Africa, loving on Muslims, and I happen to love Jesus a whole lot. And so they let me into the country on a service visa. If a local person decides to move from being a Muslim to being a Christian, then there's serious consequences for that. And so that's why me and my team, we don't go by the label missionary because over there missionary has a, a really different connotation than it does here. So over there, we're just people that love people and, and that want to tell people about Jesus. So I know that sounds like a, a missionary and it's really weird, but anyways, so... Um, so, yeah, what, what I do over there is I, I work in a little clinic, and I pretend to be a doctor because I'm a nurse. And um, there isn't anyone else besides me and my colleague, Kirsty, who's, who's from Scotland. She's a great colleague. She's been teaching me a little Scottish, just, just a little. Um, I don't speak it very well, though, so don't tell her I, I said that. Um, anyways, so we, we take care of people and their physical needs, but also, like I said, we love Jesus. And we want to take care of their spiritual needs as well. And so um, I forgot to look at the clock when I got up here. Do I have 10 minutes left? Sure. Okay, grand. Um, so uh, what else we do is that we tell, we tell people about Jesus. And recently we came across this new way to explain the gospel um, just in a really awesome, simple way. And so I want to tell you guys this story because I love telling the story. It's so much fun. So I don't know, maybe you guys need to hear it. I don't know where you guys are with the Lord if you're walking with him, if you don't know him. Um, or maybe you need to hear this story so you can share it with somebody else. Um, so I just want to share this story with you, and um, yeah, we'll see what God does with it, okay? So there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light, and there is the kingdom of darkness. Now, in the kingdom of light, that is where God dwells. He is the king of the kingdom of light, and everything good is in the kingdom of light. There is no darkness there. In the kingdom of darkness is everything bad and evil and just the, the horriblenesses of life in the kingdom of darkness, okay? So in the kingdom of light, God has created everything that we can see, the trees and the birds. If you live where I do, the, the ocean and the mountains, he's created everything that we can see. But he's also created things that we can't see, and we call those angels. And angels live in the kingdom of light with Jesus and with God, and and they lived there just in perfect harmony until one day, one angel, he decided he wanted to steal God's throne. And God looked at him and said, I created you. I am the king. You can't be the king. And so he kicked him out of the kingdom of light and he put him into the kingdom of darkness. Now, when this angel left, he took with him a following of angels, which now live in the kingdom of darkness. And so that one angel, we don't call them angels anymore, we call them demons, but that angel became the, the prince of the kingdom of darkness, okay? And we call him Satan. So back here in the kingdom of light is where God is. And he created a man and a woman, and he put them in his garden in the kingdom of light with him. And it was perfect. There was nothing wrong. There was no arguing in their marriage. There was nothing. 
Nothing. They were just, it was perfect, and they were with God, and they walked with God, and they talked with God. But one day, the prince of the kingdom of darkness, he came into that garden, disguised as a snake, and he lied to that man and that woman. He said things that tickled their ears to the point that they believed the lies of the prince of the kingdom of darkness more than they believed the truth of God. And they chose to leave the kingdom of light and move to the kingdom of darkness. And God said, because you have disobeyed me, you will never leave the kingdom of darkness again. You cannot get back to the kingdom of light. So every man and woman since that day has been born into the kingdom of darkness. And every man and woman since that day has been trying to get out of the kingdom of darkness and return to the kingdom of light. And they do things like be really good, try and let their good outweigh their bad. They go to church, they give to the poor, they don't swear, they don't drink alcohol, they don't play cards, okay? Things in the kingdom of darkness that they're trying to do to impress this holy, perfect God who cannot be in the presence of sin, okay? But God wanted to restore the relationship with his creation with this man and this woman and all of us that have come afterwards. And so he said, I'm going to send Jesus. Jesus, who is of the kingdom of light, he's the only one who can go from the kingdom of light to the kingdom of darkness. And so God sent Jesus to be born into the kingdom of darkness, and he lived among us. He lived just like us. But you know what? Every day, every moment, he made the decision to obey God rather than the prince of the kingdom of darkness. So he lived a perfect life. He never did anything wrong. He never disobeyed. But he still lived in that kingdom of darkness. But he was the light of the world. Okay? And the religious leaders in the kingdom of darkness, they got angry at him. And they got jealous because they saw that he really knew God. And he was pointing out things that they were doing to show that they really didn't know God. And so they wanted to kill him. And the prince of the kingdom of darkness said, yes, this is great. If I kill the light of the world, my kingdom will remain in darkness and these people will remain in darkness and they will never return to the kingdom of light. But God is greater than the prince of the kingdom of darkness and he had a plan. Since before the foundation of the world, he said, Jesus has to die in the kingdom of darkness because God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And so those religious leaders killed Jesus, and he hung on that cross, and when his blood was shed, God said, it's enough. His blood is enough to take away the sin of the world and restore the relationship between people and God. And Jesus, he didn't stay dead, did he? Three days later, he rose from the grave because he defeated death, he defeated our sin, and he defeated the prince of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus has become the bridge between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And now, whoever puts their trust and faith in Jesus alone can return to the kingdom of light because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father or back to the kingdom of light except through me. And so now we can put our faith and trust in Jesus and we can move from the kingdom of darkness back into the kingdom of light where we were created to be. I have done this, praise God, and I have exchanged my fear for joy. I have exchanged my anger and my hate for love and for peace. And I have exchanged my slavery to sin for freedom in Christ. And I have to ask you guys today, which kingdom are you in? Are you living in the kingdom of darkness 
Or are you living in the kingdom of God's glorious light? Because he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light. What kingdom do you want to be in? Some people want to stay in the dark. The darkness hides everything. They think nobody sees and and nobody cares. But God sees. He always sees. So I I have to ask you, what are you going to do about it? If you're in the kingdom of darkness, what are you going to do about it? This is what Jesus said. He said, repent. Do you know what repenting is? It's not doing something wrong, knowing that, oh, God's going to forgive me anyways. It's not, it's not just treating sin like something that's, that's easily, easily done away with. God said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. We cannot treat sin lightly. Repenting is turning your back on it and saying, I will not fear I have a problem with fear. I had a problem with fear. I don't have a problem with fear anymore. I will not fear. Whatever it is, okay? It's turning your back on it and saying, no. When that thought comes, taking every thought captive according to the obedience of Christ and saying, is this coming from the kingdom of darkness? Is this coming from the kingdom of light? Because I want to be living here. I I don't like the dark. Who likes the dark? Seriously. Light all the way. Sunlight. So, you got to repent you got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Do you really believe what you believe is really true? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that his blood alone can save you from your sins? That he can save you from the kingdom of darkness and transfer you to the kingdom of light? And then you got to walk. you got to walk with Jesus. It's not a one-time commitment. And yeah, I did that back when I was, you know, five, six years old. No, it's every day, like Jesus, every day. He made that choice. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to follow him. So this is the story that we share. We've just recently started sharing. How much time do I got? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Twenty? No. Five. All right. We're grand. Um, okay, so we've been sharing the story. Man, it's, it's so good. Oh, my best friend on the island. Four years she's been my best friend. Um, the last day I was on the island... My team leaders had just heard this story, and they were like, you got to share the story with Mama Hannah. And I was like, all right, cool. I love sharing the gospel, so I will share it with her. I shared it with her, and the, the new thing about the story, it's not that I haven't shared the gospel with her, it's, not, it's that I've never invited her to join the party. It's just because I'm like, I don't want to step on your toes. You follow Muhammad, I follow Jesus. Let's, you know. Um, I never invited her. <laughs> so I talked to her last Tuesday her and her sister, and I got to the end of the story, and I was like, so do you want to move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? And they were like, yes! And I was like, oh no! They said yes. What do I do now? <laughs> I had to run home to my team leader's house. They said yes, what do I do? <laughs> like, Baptize them. Oh, okay, that's where? I don't know. Okay, so um, man, it's great. The spirit is moving on the islands, and I'm telling you, we've been there, our team's been there for four years, and what a parting gift from the Lord my, my best friend and her sister and my team leader shared this story with her husband who is the chief of investigation in this Muslim nation who's been watching us for four years. Praise God he has because he prayed to accept Christ last week because he's been watching us and because he heard the story and because the spirit of God is working in his heart. I can't tell you how amazing this is. Four years and, and practically no fruit whatsoever. We've had single young guys like fringe people that... You know, we've been praying for a family. 
and that God would give us the family who is the chief of investigation. It just rocks my world. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. I'm so excited, and I'm so excited that Mama Hannah and Papa Hannah are going to be in heaven with me. Man, so good. And then I left the islands because I had to come and eat a Red Robin bacon cheeseburger because that was (laughs) important. But my team leader and his wife are following up on that, and so I'm excited to go back. But um, what I need you guys to do, besides think about this story, is I need you to pray for the islands. And um, if you are committed to praying... I'm going to hold you to it. No, I'm not. God's going to hold you to it. I don't know your heart. I have prayer cards, and they've got pictures of some of my island friends on them. And so if you will pray for the islands, um, I will give you a prayer card. But you must pray, okay? Because these people, they're, they're Muslims. Oh, my goodness, but they're the sweetest people in the world. They're so generous. Um, man, changed my perspective on Muslims. But um, I, I need you guys to pray for them. Pray for Mama Hannah and Papa Hannah and for her sister Inti. And just pray, man, pray for their protection because they're in a dangerous spot right now because it is illegal for them to be Christians in this nation. So, yeah, I am done. Thank you guys so much.